I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's a, that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. Feeding Curiosity is a podcast all about exploring the precarity of human experience, and we challenge ourselves and the listeners to think, question, and synthesize wherever their curiosity takes you. In today's episode, our guest is Michael Greenberg. Michael is a dermatologist with over 40 years of experience. Coincidentally enough, we do not cover any dermatology in this conversation. On his business card, Michael has dermatology that touches the soul. This says a lot about how Michael views the world, and this should really be apparent in how deep of a thinker and articulate Michael is when it comes to understanding the spiritual world, you know, the inner lives that we all have, and how he uses that connection to have a deeper understanding to connect to his patients and with people in lar- at large. And for him to even do this podcast is, is an extension of that. And for me, it, we go deep in this conversation on spiritual topics and about being present in the moment. I don't want to spend spoil any of the discussion here, but it was really w- worthwhile for me to have exposure for someone who can articulate these ideas that make it consumable for anyone. And with that, everyone, I want you to please enjoy this deep conversation with Michael Greenberg. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm joined by Dr. Michael Greenberg with me. And um, go ahead and explain who you are and what you do. Well, uh, that, uh, who I am. Well, that's that's a <laughs> metaphysical question, isn't it? Uh, that I don't know who I am, but I know all the things that I do. Right. Um, uh, first of all, I go by Michael, not doctor. Okay. And um, I've been a dermatologist for close to 40 years. Wow. But part of that um, has been my vision of trying to bring a state of care and compassion back to healthcare. Yeah. So it's not the typical dermatology office. And I've done lots of fun and interesting things, including uh, writing a column for a major medical newspaper. Oh, wow. Um, I, I danced in a movie with Kevin Bacon. Oh. That's a whole different story as part of my spiritual journey. <laughs> That's really I, cool. Yeah, I took, I took ballet for flexibility and mm-hmm. ended up uh, doing an audition for John Hughes because he wanted ordinary suburban dads who could dance. Wow. Um, it, it was part of the journey. That's so cool. Uh, I speak, I write, and, and my latest stuff has been both doing um, podcasts on uh, mm-hmm. ReachMD, um, which oh, okay. is a, a, was a radio station. I yeah. guess it isn't really a radio station anymore, or maybe it is. So I don't know. But I do shows for them, mm-hmm. and I also do improv. Um, That's very cool. Both for fun. And really because improv is about communication yeah. and empathy skills. And I try and teach those to medical students and residents. How's that mm-hmm. for a bio? That works. <laughs> it's, a, it's a long bio and there's so much to pick and choose from there. But, uh, you know, 
kind of how we got into this. That I'm even sitting across from you right now is kind of surreal for me because, you know, I didn't ever expect to, you know, be able to resonate this podcast, the idea of feeding curiosity to so many people. And when we talked about it, you gave some really cool stories. Um, the one was like your view of intimacy. And I don't know if you want to share that one. And it, it, I really thought that was really interesting. Sure. Well, well you know, we, we, whenever we think of intimacy, people, we go right to that, especially guys right in our head. Like, intimacy, yeah. We're talking about sex. Right. Yeah. No, we're not talking about sex. When you talk about intimacy, intimacy is when you tell the truth about yourself, mm-hmm. about something that you're scared to say, or mm-hmm. something that you've been holding on to, or you think you're the most unique person in the world. Cause you're the only one who's ever thought of this. And then you're the person you're talking says oh yeah me too i've thought of that also <laughs> and then you realize a you're not so weird because as you keep telling more people about it you realize everybody's thinking about right? it yeah uh, or has experienced it only we just don't want to talk about it and then you 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 lose what i call that existential aloneness that we all feel everyone is feel everyone mm-hmm. of us feels alone here on yeah. the planet like i am the only one who thinks when i see an airplane flying in the sky like Ah, oh, wouldn't it be cool if that just blew up? Now, <laughs> do I want it to? No. This is, and this is a guy thing. Right, I, yeah. I, I, my, my wife hates when I say that. But when I, when I talk to my buddies, they go, oh, yeah, I get that. You yeah. Know? It's interesting. And so I think, like, well, what a horrible thought to have because right. I don't want people to die. But it's just a thought. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then you can go one of two ways. You can hold on to that thought and think of yourself as, oh, I'm a terrible person. Or, right. or you could laugh about it like we just did saying, oh, yeah, I think that too. <laughs> yeah. Know? Intimacy, I write as three words. The word into, me, see, S-E-E. I think that we are so alike inside all of us. Yeah. But we hide. We hide behind that mask. Pers- personality literally comes to the word persona, which means mask. Oh, wow. And so <laughs> we hide ourselves behind all these really these personality issues. Mm-hmm. And we think that we're different. But when you get down below all of the differences, whether you're male, female, American, uh, black, white. Yeah, the the labels. The labels. Get through the – well, I actually say the roles that we play, not the labels. They're roles that we play. When you get down to the real human level, we're all the same. Exactly. We all think the same. Yeah. We all feel the same. Um, You know, our bodies with a different – with the distinction of uh, gender issues, our bodies all work the same. Your kidneys work the same way mine do. Right. You know, and and we're made up of the same substance. Yeah. Um, you know, plants create themselves from dirt. Animals eat those plants. Our mothers eat those animals and plants and make these bodies for us out of this out of the planet. Mother yeah. Earth is not a joke. Yeah. So that's where we talk about the similarity. Yeah, I I love that. Like you know, thinking about intimacy and like thinking of it in that way when you break it down is just so it's so nuanced and I really enjoy it because that's what the like art of conversation is. And you can probably talk about more about that because of your improv journey that you've been doing and just being able to communicate effectively with people where you don't have distractions, you know, you don't, don't have a phone nearby. You don't, you know, you're not just, you're there in the moment. Right. And the more you like capture those moments, the more you really get to know people. And I think it's something like of a lost art and then why, like podcasts themselves resonate with so many people because you're able to share stories of people who may not be quote unquote, you know, famous or something. But when you hear their story, they're like, wait, I feel that same way or I've gone through something similar in that way. And then you get to share it with people and then like you, they can gain nuggets of knowledge of like how you dealt with it or how you didn't deal with it correctly. But then in retrospect, you've like realized, oh, this is how I should have deal with it or just share knowledge basically. 
Well, we're all on our own journeys. We're all on our own mm -hmm. spiritual journeys. And it takes education to grow. Yeah. And you get that education from talking to strangers even. <laughs> you never know where you're going to pick something up. Absolutely. And since we all come from the same planet, and we all, like I just said, our bodies are all the same. Mm -hmm. And they're, whatever life form is in this body, this earth suit that I call it, <laughs> all comes from the same source. Whether you're a religious person and want to use the word God or whether you're totally a religious and want to use the word unified consciousness as yeah, in right. quantum physics, it's still the same thing. Right. It's still just life. And we don't understand it. Mm -hmm. And and our, we're trying to understand what, what you, you just said something that um, – triggered me about you know um communication and understanding the the secret of communication is people basically aren't listening yeah and this is something so old this is nothing new if you go back to every spiritual teacher back to cavemen you know yeah. it's always like be in the moment right yeah stay in the moment and most of us are not most of us are asleep in our heads, either worrying about the thinking about the past, yeah. in which case you're going to live somewhere in anger and resentment, thinking about either all the things you should have done or could have done or people <laughs> did to you or you did to them or yeah. whatever, which is gone. That's gone. Or you're going to be living in the future. And if you're living in the future, in my head and in most people's heads, you're living in fear. Um, to, you know, if I think about the future, for instance, we just, we bought a new house, a new house, yeah. a new house, a new house, and, um, it happened really fast. And there's a million things in my head about, oh my God, how am I going to get Comcast to give us the same identity? You know, how am I going to get my, my wife? I hooked up so it's the same and get my computer. So I, a million stupid, dumb little fears. Yeah. Just little tiny things that would take a couple of minutes to figure out. But what's, what's happening? What's real right now is that you and I are sitting in a room talking right and when i stay in that moment everything's fine fear, yeah you know, well fear is an acronym it stands for fantasized events appearing real wow i love that so much. <laughs> it can also stand for f everything and run and <laughs> well that's also true too <laughs> yeah and that's what some people do with fear so fear takes you into a reality that doesn't exist mm -hmm. you know and so staying in the moment is where you're actually listening to one another yeah and people don't do that these days, do they? No. I mean, the way I see podcasts and conversation in, in, as a whole is is it's like the antidote to social media, right? Because most of these are long form, about an hour long or longer even. And it's you really get to find the nuance of people, right? There's no such thing as you can't take, you know, the hour long conversation and cut it down to seven seconds and be like, this is what this person believes. I mean, you can, but it would be wrong, right? It wouldn't be giving you the whole picture of like that person. And I really think being able to share that as much as possible, like the nuance and diving deep to find that, you know, the gray zone of it. Cause it, you know, when I get into these topics of anything, right, diet, nutrition, whatever, you know, fear, anxiety, people like to draw lines on the sand on either ends of the spectrum. And I'm always like, well, that alienates half of the people that would agree with you anyways. You're just not finding the middle ground, right? <laughs> Well, uh, well, I, I hear you. Right. And, and as an as an improviser, I'm going to say yes and. Right. I'm never going to say yes. <laughs> yes, and I agree with you. But it's not finding the middle ground as much as finding your own truth mm -hmm. and standing up for it and being able to say this is my truth, whether you agree with me or not, and being right. okay with it. A lot of us are not okay with it. I grew up okay. in a household where it wasn't okay to tell my truth when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And so I learned not to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it took me a while and some... 
um, therapeutic intervention as an adult, which I really did in the past year. I used to be terrified to tell the truth to people because I didn't want to get them upset. Right. And mama who had all kinds of anger issues. Yeah. And so I learned like, oh man, if I say what I want to do, I'm going to get yelled at. Yeah. And I was able to work through that. Now I'm able to have very hard conversations with people that I really don't want to have. Yeah. And I'm not scared to do it. I don't shake anymore and get ready, you know, get nauseated. <laughs> yeah. And, where you just and then get, or not have the conversation. Yeah. Because I'm scared that I'll upset them. But the truth is, I can't upset anybody. If somebody gets upset with something I say, that's them. That's not my problem. Right. Yeah. It's something that they have to work through in the other way. Like recently, I went on a journey of um, finding meditation as, as a practice. It's something I can do. As you kind of mentioned it being like, you know, rooted in the future. And I'm very much like that as a type A person. I'm always busy. You know, I go to school full time. I work full time. And now I'm doing this podcast, you know, in between all of that. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a knee jerk reaction to meditation as the spiritual side of it somewhat. Like it just, when it would, when it would, people would start talking about energies and things like that, it would just something inside of me would like, it would like recoil at it. And now that I've like spent, I'm on eight day 18 using the Headspace app, Headspace app. It's like a guided meditation where, and it's really like by day eight, I would say, I was really started getting into like understanding it as a practice and like being able to kind of do this moment thing, like conversation, but where you're okay with doing nothing in some ways. And it sounds weird to say that now as someone who, you know, you asked me two weeks ago, I would have been like, ew, gross, like doing nothing. I can't do that. Doing nothing is awesome because yeah. doing nothing is is actually filled with the the lightness of being where mm -hmm. you're just being you're not filling your head with junk let me make a suggestion about meditation because mm -hmm. we've heard you know for years too I'm, and i'm a lot older than you so i've been through you know more of these, yeah. these waves of, <laughs> i've been through the new age when it first started right most people see meditation as something they do yeah right I, i'm gonna go do my, i'm gonna meditate now for an hour mm -hmm. well that's just practice that you're supposed to take into your whole life. Your whole life should be a meditation. Yeah. You should be, you should work not toward that hour, but you should work towards staying present in every moment. Yeah. And that requires vigilance because what happens is as you're, even if you're in a room with the candles and the, you know, the, right, home, the, whole, the, the whole, that whole thing, what you're doing is watching your thoughts come in and saying, oh, okay, just let, let that thought go by. Yeah. That thought is bullshit. You know, let, let's let it go by. Do the same thing when you're in the dentist chair. Do the same mm -hmm. thing when you're talking to a friend. Do the same thing now yeah. when you're in an interview is little thoughts are coming in. Like as I listen to you, you'll, you'll, I hear you say something. And you go, oh, I want to comment on that. Oh, that th just let that thought go and don't worry about it. And well, what if I forget? What, he, what, if, what if I forget what he said? And then mm -hmm. I won't be able to come back to that. And I won't be able to sound brilliant. I won't be able to <laughs> – all those thoughts are running through my head. Right. But but. Right now, when I'm in the moment, those thoughts are like at a distance. They're over there. Yeah. That's, that's where improv comes in because you have to stay in the moment. Yeah. Um, you, the other day in class, um, we're doing a long form uh, improv, which is really fun. And you do what's called sweeping the scene. You, okay. you clear it out. And what, the guy who sweeps the scene, who, who, who closes out that that last scene means he has an idea in his or her head that they're going to start the next scene yeah and i did that and some guy jumped out and started some scene right in front of me like and it's like 
first I was like, whoa, that's, you know, A, you broke the rule. That's not what you intended. Right. And B, that's not the scene I wanted to do here, which, of course, <laughs> my scene would be much more brilliant. But being an improviser, I said in, within a flash of a second, I was like, okay. I yes and him. All right. And I played his yeah. scene out. Um, and that's that kept me in the moment. And it was interesting because a teacher saw it. I saw that in your eyes for one second. You looked like, what the hell? And then you just went <laughs> went with it and it became an it became a good scene. Yeah. So that's the same thing in a conversation. You mm -hmm. let all those thoughts go of what you want to say or what you want to hold on to and just be in the conversation. That's true intimacy in yeah. that moment. You know? It's way beyond the physical. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And it, it's like, as you explain, like improv as like a, like a school of thought almost, it really reminds me of like, it, it's almost like a, you know, a meditative practice in its own way where you have to, you know, check yourself and it, to be, you know, not hold on to any idea that you have because it's always a fluid, you know, kind of like jousting match with comedy in some ways. And you're trying to figure out how to just fit it. Well, you have to listen. You've got a yeah. partner on stage. I mean, if you have something in your head that you think the way something's going to go, you're going to get tripped up every mm -hmm. time. You know, it's like a scene. I was doing a three-person scene, and the suggestion was, I forget what it was, um, uh, like a school um, – a race, a school kids racing or something right, like yeah. that. And the, the two actors started out being the parents of the kids. Uh, a track meet. I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> and track meet. And I came out fully prepared to be another character. I was a walk-on. I, I, mm -hmm. I came walking on as like I was going to be another parent coming in. And as I walk out on stage, they go, oh, here comes the coach. So, whoa, <laughs> if I wasn't listening, it would have sounded ridiculous. Right, because if you just so, okay, said your line. I'm the coach, so I just came out and I said, you know, your two kids are the lousiest kids on the team. Why are they always <laughs> running away? You know, and it became funny. But but it's only by That's, listening to one another. And we, yeah. don't, we don't listen to one another. We're so wrapped up these days, A, in the news, which mm -hmm. is not news. I don't watch right. the news anymore. And, you know, I, I, I always, I, I think shows should be evergreen like this so you can listen forever. So, you know, 20 years down the road, maybe this won't make sense to somebody. But, you know, what's happening in our government and at all levels in Washington right now is just so appalling and so right. embarrassing that I don't watch it because I have no control over it. And right. All it'll do is get me in my head and make me angry. I don't do that. I don't do a lot of social media. The only social media mm -hmm. I do is for our improv troupe because they make me do it <laughs> so that people who are my friends will know when our next shows are. Right. And I, and I like it to wish people happy birthday. That's it. Right. I don't read people's stuff on there because yeah. um, um, it's – it takes me out of the moment. Yeah. It's, it's just so much signal versus noise, you know, when you just have, you know, feeds and streams of just, you know, 90% of it is just, you know, daily whatever, you know, with someone not filtering themselves or upset about something or another. Right. It's and just, there's just venting. And there's yeah. a hierarchy of communication. And to me, if you really have something important to say, it needs to be said face to face mm -hmm. because there's a whole meta communication that, that happens between people. Yeah. And you can discuss it and go back and forth. Yeah. The next level down is a phone call which seems to be nobody makes phone calls anymore. No, all right? very rarely. They don't even read emails anymore. Emails come under that because you can write more. And under that comes a text. And it seems to me that people are, their main method of conversation these days is texting. Yes. Send me a text. And it's like, I say no, because <laughs> texts are so easily misunderstood. Absolutely. 
you, you don't get the intonation, and especially especially being an improviser. I, I always warn my patients and my friends and everybody, don't ever feed me a straight line. I'm an improviser. I'll twist it back on you for fun and start laughing, and you'll think I'm serious. It's just become a reflex. Um, so text messaging for me is like my – it works great when my wife says – you know, when you get this, if you're free, give me a call. Right. And I check my phone. I don't carry my phone around when I'm with patients. I'll check my desk and say, okay, I know she wants me to call her. Yeah. But text messaging about important stuff back and forth, especially like we have, um, I have six improv partners. Yeah. And when we start to try to have a conversation in text messaging, oh my God, I mean, just so screwed up about what, <laughs> what games are going to play in the next show or where we're going to meet. It's like, really, could we just not do this? Yeah. It's just convoluted in a, in a group text. It's just, but that's that's where people are, and I and I think because we're hiding, all of us are really hiding. Um, deep down inside of us, each one of us knows that we are not the roles that we play. Mm-hmm. I, I used to teach a little class in sp- basic spirituality. Oh wow! And the first class was called "Who Are You?" Mm-hmm. And so we do a little meditation, going back and forth, asking each other, "Who are you?" And say, "Well, I'm an American. I'm a male. I'm a doctor." Right. I'm a this, I'm a that. And we, I'd let it, the, the, you can do that for hours. I wouldn't do it, of course. It was an hour class. Right, so yeah. I did it for five minutes. And I said, okay, well, tell me who you are. And people would spout that. I No, no, tell me who you are. And somebody would say, well, what do you mean? I'd say, well, those are roles that you play. Right, yeah. And if I put, if I took the carpet here, which is in squares on the floor below us, and I wrote one of the roles that you play in life, in each one of those, you can stand in multiple boxes at once. Right, yeah. And then I would say, but who is it playing those roles? And invariably, we would get to like, I don't know. And I go, exactly. You don't know. Because the there's only the only sentence you can say in English that is not open to interpretation is I am. Anything beyond that is an interpretation. Yeah. I am it's, an American. Well, what right. does that mean? I am a doctor. Well, what does that mean? It can be interpreted <laughs> in I am. Is, That's is, crazy. Like, I never thought about it that way. And it's. For me, as I think about it, is like I try to be, you know, the one one thing I always think about is like a jack of all trades is like my favorite thing is being able to know a little bit about everything, you know. And as you keep talking, I'm just it's just so it's it's I'm learning so much about just like how the nuance of these different meanings and things like that. And it's it's really interesting to kind of start piecing it more parts of like who I am together in some ways. Well, what you just said was that you only gave me half the phrase, a jack of all trades. It really, the phrase is a jack of all trades and a master of none. Yeah. No, I want to be a master of living, a master of truth, a master of life, however you want to interpret that. The jack of all trades is the things I do. Yes, I I do radio shows. Yes, I'm on stage with improv. Yes, I'm a dermatologist. Those are all trades that the things that i do and i'm improving all the time on that Mm -hmm. but what i really want to master uh, for for lack of a better term is i want to master love and i'm not talking about romantic love (laughs) i know i want to master my ability to be loving to everybody i i I come in contact with and yeah the the, one of the books i work with and work with a group is called the course in miracles and it's basically about that oh wow it's about the fact it's it's Yes, it's a religious. It uses the word God, right. right? And if you're upset with the word God, 
Okay. I'm not talking about a male deity wearing a white robe that <laughs> right. I learned about in religious school. I'm talking about something that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, whatever, uh, Einstein's God. Right. Yeah. You know, Einstein said it's impossible to study physics without coming to a belief in the existence of God. And he didn't mean a character outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever this, whatever's running the show. Yeah. You know, so uh, we use a, an acronym there too is PFTD. And P is peace of mind, which most people never have. Yeah, peace of mind is your birthright. You were born with it, mm-hmm. okay? And then we put all these layers on. Yeah. Of, and nobody can take your peace of mind away from you, but you give it away freely. You give it away the guy. You give it away to the guy who cuts you off in traffic. Mm-hmm. Now he cuts you off, and you start swearing at him and giving him the <laughs> finger. You have no clue. He doesn't care about you. It's not about you. Maybe he's going to the hospital because his wife is having a baby and he's rushing and, and or or he's in a hurry or he just doesn't care. But the point is, it's not about you, but you give your peace of mind away and then you'll race after him so you can, you know, swear at him to the window or see who he is. What a waste of time. Yeah. All right. T is T- PF, TD. F, well, we'll go to T next. T is teacher. That guy's your teacher. Mm-hmm. That person is teaching you where you live, lose your peace of mind. And F is forgiveness. You have to forgive everybody, everything, no exception. Yeah. And the, the guy who started this class, who's, who's now passed away, was a wonderful guy. He used to say, you know, you'd say, but you don't, you don't know my brother-in-law. He said, I don't care, but you forgive everybody all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. Because that's how you get your peace of mind back. Because who you're really forgiving is yourself. Because what you see in your brothers and sisters is a trait that you don't like about yourself. Right. And you have to give, forgive yourself for being human. That's what intimacy yeah. is. You see it in somebody else. You forgive it in them because you're really forgiving in you. And D is outrageous demands. For example, when my I'm sitting there reading and my wife asks me to throw the garbage out, I don't look at her and say, don't you not see, woman, that I am busy reading my comic book right now, how important I am? And it's like I just say, yeah, okay. I, yeah. Use, I use a lot of yeses and I, just to keep my peace of mind. Yeah. I really like that. And it, it reminds me of I, over the last year or so, I, I got really into stoic philosophy and basically like negative reactivity when things don't go the way you plan them to be or, you know, just basically telling yourself it's going to be okay or like practicing things where you like, you don't need to eat, you know, fancy food all the time, like eating beans or something, stuff like that, where you're trying to be simple and and be aware of the, the things that are actually worth being upset about kind of. You know, and I, it's like, it really reminds me of that being like able to step back from, you know, the things that upset you, your, your re- reactive center, you know, and, and seeing that kind of stuff is, is, is so important because you have to realize that we're all having struggles and, and, you know, it's not about you, right? We got like to see the world and from a, you know, a me centric orbit in some ways. Oh, I think people are very self-centered these days. Yeah extremely self-centered um and self-absorbed is the word not self-centered it's a difference between selfishness and self-centered everybody has to be selfish selfish means you take care of yourself i had knee surgery i had a knee replacement three months Mm -hmm. ago i have to be selfish and two mornings a week i have to do physical therapy Mm -hmm. still for a number of months to get my knee in place. Yeah. Well, it may be that someone wants me to do something for them at that time, and I have to say, no, I need to take care of my knee at this time. Right, yeah. Self-centered is when I want the world to revolve around me, right. and I expect you to behave a certain way so that I'll be happy. Um, we've got a lot of self-centered and self-serving people. Yeah. It's just the nature of humanity. It takes a lot to break through that, to break through yeah. that ego. And that's what, you know, listen, 
the, the stuff we're talking about is ancient stuff. Yeah, it this really is. is. Nothing <laughs> new. You know, some of the stuff I read is is two thousand years old, and it's saying yeah. the same exact stuff. And it's about waking up to who you truly are. Mm-hmm. That you are not separate from the universe or whatever you believe in God. Yeah. You're not. You're merely a part of it. Yeah. So if you imagine consciousness to be a huge lake, right? Mm-hmm. Infant borders, but it has to have a top for the purpose of this metaphor. Right. We're little drops flung off the surface, and we separate, you know, out of consci- out of unified conscious and becoming. And look at all the drops. We can all look at each other and right. say, like, "Look, look, they're separate from me." But we're really the same thing. Yeah. And what happens when you die is you just go back into the water. Once you put a drop <laughs> back in that lake, can you separate that? drop from the lake no no not anymore so this separation and this has been talked about for thousands of years what we're looking at here is and of course in miracles talks about is an illusion of separateness yeah the fact that you look separate from me is an illusion yeah and if you can understand that or if you can at least buy it and 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 get to a certain point of saying that like okay I get that it's an illusion and I'm living in that illusion and I have to buy the fact that while I'm in this illusion, I will never feel totally unified with you or with the table or the floor. (laughs) But someday when I'm done with this body, I will be back there again, back in conscious. And some of us have experiences and I have of disappearing and becoming part of everything. And, the, and you're not there. The idea yeah. that you, your ego, your individual yeah. self isn't there to, to know that when mm-hmm. you're there. You, I, you have to come back into this body and say, whoa, where was I? And then you recognize, <laughs> no, I was the flowers and the I was everything. Yeah. You know, that's that's why I have no fear of death because that's all you do. You just become part of everything again. Yeah. It's, it reminds me because I'm reading Michael Pollan's new book, the uh, How to Change Your Mind, the Under Psychedelic Adventures. It's not adventures, but the new science and how it's changing. And it really reminds you of that kind of stuff where you 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 have to the the ego death you know where you become something greater and then like in some ways like I I haven't experienced it obviously but I I I've read enough about it to be able to kind of understand it in, in a metaphysical kind of way and it really it was starting to resonate now with me in some ways where you kind of have to realize there's something deeper that's going on and that's part of how. I'm seeing communication as now where you can kind of, we all have something in common to talk about. You know, we, we all have stories, we all have things, and but we're all just searching, you know? <laughs> well, here's the joke. For, well, two things that came up from that. Number one, ego death. You cannot kill the ego. You no, yeah. need the ego to go shopping. Well, yeah. I, you have to, on this planet, <laughs> yeah. in this earth, but you want to have a healthy ego that, re, and you have to recognize, oh, that's ego. Right. That's not, yeah. that's not me. All right. Uh, that That's the first thing. And and of course I've lost the second thing I want to say, but it'll, it'll come, it'll come back to me again. Um, so yeah, we, people are trying to kill their egos. Right. Can't do it. No. It won't work. All right. I just think it's, it's kind of like being able to separate yourself out and remove the I in some way, like giving yourself a break from it and then being able to recognize what it that part of you is because well, it's still, you, it is still is you. Well, you become the observer. Yeah, that's a you good way of explaining it. You become the observer of you, – you pull back yeah. and you become the observer of life around you and you, and you recognize that, okay, this is the dream. Have you ever had a dream that was so real that you – while you were in it, like I have these dreams about – 
I'm in school and I have an exam coming mm-hmm. up and oh my God, I didn't even know I was in school and I got the exam tomorrow. <laughs> what the hell am I going to do? Yeah. And I just feel terrible. Yeah. And while you're in that dream, it feels real. Yeah. And then you wake up and you go, oh my God, that was a dream. <laughs> and it's like, that's what will happen someday. This is just a dream. All right. Mm-hmm. That is, and, and re- every religion talks about that, by the way, Buddhism, Buddhism says that this is this, uh, or Hinduism says that, that this is Brahma's dream. And, oh, and okay. the Judeo Christian culture, it's like God puts Adam into a deep sleep to create Eve in yeah. the Bible, but never says it woke him up. Oh, this is considered by in, in Judeo-Christian <laughs> myth, um, mysticism. This is Adam's dream. Yeah, this is a, this is Adam's dreaming. Or uh, at a different level, you know, this is the idea of unity. Yeah, call it unity. Asking itself, what would if if everything is unified, mm-hmm. how does it experience itself? It has no edge to turn. <laughs> so unity has to create the illusion of duality. Oh. So that it can experience itself. And that's what that yin and yang symbol are. Mm-hmm. It's unity and duality. Just like at, when we're in a dualistic phase, we want to know who me is. And so we go on that journey searching. I know. I now remembered what I wanted to remember before. The, the, the cosmic joke of that is, is that what you're looking for, you already are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're looking for unity with something, even another person. Right, yeah. That's why we have physical intimacy and that's why we we, we want to hang out with friends or we, we date or we get married and yeah. sex and all this other stuff. That's looking for physical intimacy, okay? But we're really looking for a higher level of intimacy. We want to be one again with consciousness. We remember that. Part of us remembers that and misses that. But unity want, longs to, be, to create duality so that it can experience itself. <laughs> it's a paradox. Yeah. But the truth is hidden behind that because if you ever look at a picture of a Zen temple, classic Zen temple, which is empty, a Zen temple has nothing in it. Yeah. It holds the truth. But it always has these two guard dogs in front, these yeah. like those uh, Asian Japanese lion guard. Yeah, I've seen those. And you know what their names are? You know what the guards of truth are? I don't know. Confusion and paradox. <laughs> That's what their names are. Wow. The truth is, all when you are confused about something, it means you are right at the edge of seeing the truth. And the truth is held in a paradox. You and I are one, mm-hmm. and you and I are separate. This is unity and duality, all at the same time. Yeah. And the only answer you can give to that is like, yep. <laughs> and I think it, that's why people get so confused about it, because it's, it's kind of mind-boggling to wrap them around, like, their head around it, because it's not... You can't wrap your head around it. Yeah. You can't wrap the human mind around it. If you really want to blow your mind, just go outside at night, look up at the stars and go, this goes on forever. There is no end to this. This is not yeah. a painted background. My mind just goes yeah. and just explodes, you know, or, mm-hmm. to, or, or to realize that in, in my body are, are molecules and atoms that were in the body of Julius Caesar. Right. And in the bo- and it's like, really? You know? <laughs> they were just recycled. Yeah. You're parts of stars. Like, we're all star people in we are. some well, ways. We are. We are st- <laughs> well, know? the Big Bang. We are. All this earth is nothing made of is stardust. So, yeah. you, know, you know, the lyrics, we're stardust, we are golden, and we have to get back to the garden. Yeah. Which is brilliant lyrics because in the Garden of Eden, the metaphor of Eden is before Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge. And it was a knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't the tree of knowledge. It was the knowledge of good and evil. That's dual- That's when duality sets in. Before that, their conversations would be something like, oh, this feels good. 
Yeah. Or this feels bad. Yeah. And as soon as they got the sense of separateness, I, the sense of yeah. I, oh, now I feel good or I feel bad. And since there's an I, I don't want to feel bad. So I'm going to do things that make me feel good. Yeah. And that's where addictions come from. And that's where abuse comes from. Yeah. Makes me feel good to do this. I don't care about you and re yeah. not realizing that you're the same I I am. So, you know, it, it there's a lot of stuff we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I here. know. There's a lot to gain from this. And that was a really fast half hour. So we'll have to do this again sometime. Um, I'd love to. I, I may say the same things over and over again. That's okay. Because, you know, it's, it's, you, you have to, I keep forgetting this stuff. You, yeah. You, these conversations are so important because the mind is so clever. Yeah. It will slip in and you have to, re that's it. You have to be meditating all the time to be vigilant to say that thought, oh, that's ego. Yeah. That thought, hmm. But what I feel is generally true mm -hmm. when I feel connected or I feel love. So I go more for my feelings than my yeah. thoughts. Um, the last thing I would like to ask is if there's any books that you can recommend to people for any of this kind of stuff that you've been talking about to go back like you said ancient stuff so it's like 2000 years old any of that kind I'll of never ask an author what his favorite book is because <laughs> he's going to tell you his book is really the best um i would go back one of the first books i would read if 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 i was anyone if i was recommending would be the bhagavad gita okay um which is a hindu classic yes but I'll tell you what it is, but you should read it anyway. All right. Do you have time to hear yeah, this? Yeah, I have time. So there's a general, Arjuna, who is about to go to war against his cousins. Or it's who's going to be the king. All right? Yeah. And you've got tens of thousands of soldiers on both sides. And Arjuna's charioteer is Krishna. Yes. And Krishna is the manifestation of divinity in human form just like jesus is in christianity same mm -hmm. thing exactly yeah Only he's blue he's painted blue so arjuna says to krishna like directly talking to god or conscience hey what is this all about why am i going to go out there and kill thirty thousand people mm -hmm. and krishna says oh you stupid man you do not understand let me show you who i am and for one moment Arjuna has that moment that I talked about of being one with, of, of understanding one with everything. Yeah. The same moment in other religions, the same Moses is the thing as Moses before the rock getting, you can't see the face of God, but you can experience God. And Krishna says, nothing happens in this planet unless it comes through me, unless it's in my consciousness, <laughs> everything here is within me yeah. or within God. And so you think you're the one sticking that spear into that soldier. That won't happen unless it's within my mind. Mm -hmm. And so you're not really, you, you only think you're doing it, yeah. but you're not. That's the illusion. <laughs> and then Arjuna goes and does battle and kill, you know, goes right back. It's, it's the old idea there, the three, the three mountain uh, idea. First, there is a mountain, mm -hmm. then there is no mountain, <laughs> then there is. First, you see a mountain, then you realize, no, everything is all connected. There's no mountain. But you re then the third mountain part is, the then there is, is you realize, no, I'm stuck in this consciousness of duality. And until I leave this consciousness, that's a mountain, even though I know it's not really there. Yes, this thing is happening, but it's happening within a dream. So if you understand, here's the bottom line I would tell anybody yeah. that they have to, a place to get to, is if you remember that since this is only a dream state and you have no control over anything, yeah, what do you have to fear? Nothing. Nothing. 
But three seconds after I say that, it all comes back. It all comes back. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's practice. Yeah. Practice, practice. And it's awesome. Like, that's just what it's all about, you know, constantly learning and never, you know. You're never there. Yeah. They're never perfect, right? There's no such thing as the end of the journey. Do you know the myth of Sisyphus? No, I don't. Okay. Sisyphus was a, Sisyphus was a bad guy. And <clears throat> he uh, was condemned. <clears throat> excuse me. He uh, was the king of Corinth and he killed his brother, I think, to get the crown. I don't remember all the details, but um, the fact is that uh, he, the gods finally got him and sent him down to Hades and he talked his way out. He's pretty clever. Like, hey, my wife hasn't done the funeral rites for me. Let me back up. And when he comes back on earth, he captures Thanos. He captures death. Oh. So he can't die again. He keeps uh, death a prisoner. And the world is in chaos because without death, it's part of the natural cycle of mm-hmm. life. Things are all screwed up. So they finally get him again. And his punishment now is that he's going to roll a boulder up a mountain yeah. every day, but he'll never get it to the top. It never. always slips and, and rolls. And it slips down at night. Yeah. And every day he has to roll that boulder up again. Well, there's a positive spin on this. If this is what our life is like, every day we wake up and we have to struggle with consciousness, Mm -hmm. with love, with doing the right thing. If if you could get to the top of the mountain, but no, you're never going to. If you could, what's the point? You might as well blow your brains out. Right. Life makes no point. But knowing that you'll never get there, knowing that you have to wrestle with this every day, you know, that's the way it is. Yeah. And what happens what happens physically to you if I give you a 50-pound boulder and say, roll it up the hill every day? You get way stronger. Exactly. <laughs> Wrestling with consciousness is what makes us spiritually stronger, not running away from it, not hiding in your cell phone, not hiding on Twitter, not hiding in TV actually looking inside, doing the work inside of you, wrestling with it. That's how you get stronger every single day. I love that. It really like solidifying all this stuff that I've been doing with meditation myself and just makes you want to like put more into it now because it it really feels like, you know, there's three parts of a person in some ways. There's, you know, the mind and is an intellectual. There's the body. And then there's a third component that's, you know, broadly spiritual in some way and they're all one thing right they're it, not separate parts you can't separate one out and that's kind of like the journey of my life is i kind of was you know intellectually set with school and work and stuff with my degree and things and so it kind of was like okay well then there's this other part of me where i wasn't working on you know my body like i wasn't athletic but then i started working out and changing my diet and changing all that stuff and now that's kind of figured itself out at least as far as I want to take it for now for now for now right it's always a continual journey and then now I'm starting to go down this third path and you know it's like completing the triangle in some way because each one of those is when one is weak they're all weak and then you have to continually improve all three of them to you know the path of enlightenment if some would call it or the you know balancing all of the facets of a human being and well, let me give you a last suggest another suggestion here. <laughs> you don't have to do it. If you're part of the universe, once you understand this, you can let the universe do it. It's called that's the non-doing doing. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. It's like when I need to lose weight, I know I can't do it. Right. Because my mind will convince me that I can have that whole bag of MMs and it's okay. <laughs> so I surrender and I say, hey, I need help. The universe. Mm-hmm. I need help doing this. And why do I want to do this? Because when I'm overweight and I don't feel good, I can't give my total attention to my patients. And that's what you want me to do, universe. So it, it, it just, 
it happens yeah. more naturally when I surrender to a higher power, something bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Whatever you call that, whatever you want. Yeah, but right. It's got to be something that I can't comprehend. Whatever this life is, I don't know what it is. Yeah. But when I ask for help, then I get it. And all I have to do is be willing. I can't. I can't do the job. I'm not breathing. I'm being breathed. I'm not consciously <laughs> thinking about breathing. Right. It just I happens. I didn't create myself. The word arrogance, erogare, comes from erogare. You know, I did it. Like I created my own life. I didn't create my own life. I didn't give myself the intelligence to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. I didn't give myself any of the spiritual awakenings that I've ha- had. They were given to me. So there's something giving it to me. Yeah. And all I have to do is ask from that and I will get whatever I need. <laughs> Not whatever I want, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'd like a full head of hair and a 34-inch waist. I'm not going <laughs> to get that, you know. I'm not going to get it. Right. But but I'll get what, but once I understand the difference between wants and needs, then I yeah. also have nothing to fear either because everything I've ever needed, the best things in life have come to me. I never asked for them. Yeah. They kind of show up and people don't quite understand that because they say, well, that's great for you. You're a doctor, you know, you're right. living comfortably. Really? I mean, you know, we can do another show and I can tell you about all the things that weren't supposed to happen that happened. Yeah, I would love let's that. Do another, let's do another show on that about magical stories about. Please. It would be about amazing. We could letting, spend three, four hours just talking about all this stuff. Letting the universe run your life because if you do, it gets pretty magical. Well, it, it's weird that you kind of bring that up because that's kind of like where this podcast is going for me right now with me sharing it, like being comfortable telling people about it. I get so many people that I haven't talked to in years and people I've never even, you know, like you, for example, I've never had a conversation with before. And now, you know, it's resonating, you know, it's kind of like pond, you know, ripples on a pond where it's like one here and then one over there and over here. It's just, I'm not planting it. It's just happening. We'll we'll just do a whole (laughs) podcast on that because just to give you like a little taste to stimulate your, your, um, I, I, Although I'm a pretty smart guy, <laughs> all right? I was doing like three-page essays in first grade when my friends oh my were gosh. learning C-Spot Run. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, and, and what happened – well, we'll talk about this. But the point is I uh, – the story we'll tell about how I got so messed up in math by a teacher who was doing some experimental psychology mm-hmm. that I can't do math exams. And when I wow. took my medical school admission test, my math grade was at the third percentile. No, I should not have gotten wow. into medical school. <laughs> I got right into medical school. Huh. Um, if, if you if you let life lead you and you accept things the way they are, well, the whole sense life can be very, very not. And I'm not talking about magical in a weird way. No, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm talking about that. That there's there's heaven is a choice, mm-hmm. you know. And just because, for instance, when I had my knee replaced three months ago. Um, First of all, the good thing is I got out of pain. I couldn't walk. Right, yeah. More importantly, it was what I learned from that. That was a gift. And we'll, we'll do a whole show on turning turning what you think is something pretty bad into something, an amazing gift to, because the bottom line is what we're looking for. And, and every person I have met tells me this. They're looking for inner peace. Yeah. The more I work, the more I have these long periods of inner peace where it's just empty. There's no monkey mind speaking to me anymore. <laughs> yeah. And these periods get longer and longer it's and longer. It's a great metaphor for a two monkey mind. Yeah, it's a monkey mind. <laughs> it chatters away at me, all this kind of crap. Yeah. It tells me, I'm no good. I'm no good. Everything I do is no good. I've written books. I'm teaching. It tells me, you're a terrible doctor. Well, you got a pretty busy day today from people who don't know I'm a terrible doctor. You know what I mean? Right. But there's, 
but there's a way of getting to inner peace there, and, and the pathway, and that's a whole separate show. So let's end it in that one. End awesome. On that one. I really appreciate your time. This is a really great conversation. It's been a privilege. <laughs> Thanks. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.